This is Sam Edwards, proud sponsor of Heritage Radio Network, surreyfarms.com. Good afternoon and welcome. This is the Heritage Radio Network, and this show is called Straight No Chaser. I'm your host, Katie Kiefer, and in the studio with me today, I have Benjamin Solitaire, who has been working for the last couple of years with the Brooklyn Food Coalition on many projects and is their representative to the New York City Food and Farm Bill Working Group, where he serves as the Community Engagement Committee and the Governance Administration. He serves on, excuse me, the Community Engagement and Governance Administration Committee. And with him is uh, Caitlin Salemi, who works with Food System Net, Net, Food Systems Network. Oh my God! Blah, blah, blah. Um, and she is their coordinator. And both of them are here to talk with me about the Farm Bill, which is being voted on as we speak. It just went through the Senate. It's going to the House of Representatives. We should be seeing a real Farm Bill. Uh, I don't know what in the next couple of months. It should be all passed legislation. Yeah. Um, thanks. And by the way, thank you and welcome to the program. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Hi. And now I'll put my glasses on. So, um, so I can see you. Okay, you guys. So now you have been attending meetings and listening to people talk about the Farm Bill for <laughs> probably a few years, as I have. <laughs> um, and one of the things that has um, been uh, very much in the press right now is that the amendment that our Senator Kirsten Gillibrand brought in um, to save... Uh, cuts to the SNAP benefits, otherwise known as food stamps. I'm sure everybody knows that by now. Um, but su- supplemental nutrition assistance programs, they have cut $4.5 billion from the budget for SNAP. Now, SNAP, let's say, is also the largest part of the farm bill. It's the biggest yeah. allocation, the biggest piece of the pie. I forget how much money exactly is in the farm bill, but it's somewhere around, what, 780 is that crazy? No, the five hundred billion somewhere between five hundred and seven hundred billion dollars. Yeah, the last five year bill was about three hundred billion. Yeah, and it's and it's now it's about roughly 500. double that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so so four point five billion may may not sound like a lot when you talk about the overall percentage, but actually what it does mean, as it's said in the press, is about ninety dollars a month less for every family. Uh, that uses SNAP benefits. So, um, Benjamin, why don't you tell us a little bit, because you work also, uh, you know, you're all tied into the Hunger Action Network and and um, and with this group, the New York uh, Environmental Working Group. Um, tell us what that all means. What, what is that? What's, what's it going to do? What's the impact? Well, obviously, cutting money back for food is never acceptable and uh, is not acceptable to any of the groups that I work with. I mean, but to take a second and, and review where... The Farm Bill is in the process. Uh, as you said, it just was voted on in the Senate. It was passed uh, 64 to 35, so mm-hmm. it was a bipartisan bill. Uh, it included this $4.5 billion cut. Right. Uh, now it's going to go uh, to the House, and they're going to begin their committee discussions and committee markups on their version. Um, after they get passed, which might, in a ideal timeline, would be sometime in July, uh, it would go to the committee, uh, conference committee, so where the Senate and the House bills would be um, negotiated. We're pretty worried about what the House bill is going to offer in terms of snap cuts. You know, 4.5 may look bad now, but what the House might turn in is gonna look, could be $30 billion or, or more. So <laughs> I know. It's a, it's, well, that's, well, that's based right now on what the Ryan budget was uh, when it was presented a oh, few months ago. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> so... Um, 
but yeah, no. So it's we don't know what the final bills. So look somewhere at. between five and thirty billion dollars less revenue for low-income families that are already struggling. Right. And one in five kids in the United States are at risk of food insecurity. Incredible. Um, as the benefits exist now, the fourth week of the month, you're, you've run out. Um, yeah. It's, it's really quite unacceptable. And, you know, you can find a variety of numbers, but essentially every dollar of SNAP money returns at least a $1.71 to $1.83 into the local economy. It's a proven way to, uh, to, to as a stimulus. It's, it's the most huh. effective stimulus method out there. How does that work? What do you mean? A, a dollar of SNAP benefits turns into a dollar eighty-three in real money. Well, I'm not an economist, but I, but basically, you know, you go to your bodega and you or whoever accepts SNAP and you spend a dollar. That means they get to, you know, they put that dollar back into circulation, and the next right. person puts that dollar back into circulation. So. Um, it's a it's a high return on investment, really. It's when uh-huh. we look at it. So, um, and this isn't just a city issue. Sixty one, definitely not. Sixty one um, percent of counties in the United States have kids are, are uh, have kids that are um, at risk that of are hunger. using that are and that whose are, families are, are already using SNAP. And we haven't even discussed the elderly or the veterans. Oh, yeah. who have come back from our various wars and can't find work. And of course, as we know, even though the Veterans Administration would love to paint a rosy picture about uh, veterans finding jobs. The fact is, they're not, and the unemployment rate in veterans is easily three, four, five percent higher than right. it is in the average population. Right. So, yeah, Caitlin, tell me. So, yeah, the interesting thing about this is that it was um, a, not a, necessarily a direct cut to SNAP benefits that happened in the Senate, although that is the ultimate result of uh-huh. of what the, what passed. Um, Basically, what the bill did was it eliminated the ability of states to coordinate SNAP benefits with a provision called LIHEAP, which is the Low Income Energy Assistance Program. Oh, so, yes. So, a, so it's heat and heat meat and or something. Heat, heat and heat. Yes, so, yes. So um, states that... There are only 12 states plus Washington, D.C. That, that use the heat and heat provision, um, which basically enables families who are getting assistance for their energy costs to include what they some standard utility allowance in what they would have paid for utility bills um, as part of their deduction for SNAP. So uh, in essence, their SNAP benefits are increased because they're able to include that. Uh, so it affects um, New York State is one of the states that it, that implements this provision and Uh that will be affected and this cut which is why Senator Gillibrand was really a champion and and sponsored this bill and so it's definitely feels like a a blow um, to people working on this and to the anti-hunger movement and to everyone who's been working um, on the farm bill Mm -hmm. and I think um, what's really scary is that the, as Benjamin said, the fight in the House is going to be so much harder. Like yes. so much harder. <laughs> well, it's a Republican-controlled entity, legislative right. body, and uh, you know they have Paul Ryan calling the shots there in terms of the budget, or they, or at least they've all signed on to that. God knows why. I mean, I you know I really have to. I'm I'm, I'm getting so old they, that I, I just think like. <laughs> Just shoot me or let me move out because I mean this is crazy. This country has lost its shit. They're also looking at making it block grants, mm-hmm. which means that once the money, when you get a block grant, the money runs out. There's no more. It's an right now. It's an entitlement program. So as long as it's being utilized, it's it, funded. It's funded automatically yeah, by so, the federal government, right? I.e., our tax dollars, right? Yes. But then if it becomes a block grant, then say you're on the meat, the heat, and eat, you get that. I mean, assuming. Uh, I know uh, that's been eliminated, but like, say there was such a thing. Like, if you're, if it was a very cold winter, and the heat and eat 
uh, amendment or program was still in, in place, then once that, if you had a very cold winter and, and energy subsidies outstripped the cost of food or whatever, you know, like somehow that, then you would lose your, your funding well, even sooner. The block grant would be a certain amount distributed to states and then the states would distribute that. And when the money was out, the money would be up. And they're also looking at eliminating categorical eligibility, which means that, yeah, it, it, you might have to prove your income yep. it, or like prove your assets. You wouldn't ma- you wouldn't necessarily get, um, you know, benefits just for, for being low income. You'd have to prove what other assets you have, which currently you don't have to do in many states. Uh, what One positive note maybe for the block grant thing is that there was an amendment that came up in the Senate that was soundly defeated um, that proposed moving SNAP to a block grant, um, to a block grant, uh, you know, administ- administrated program, and that was defeated. So... I don't know what that's going to mean for the House. It doesn't necessarily mean it won't come up again, but it does show that there is definitely not support from both chambers. Right. Well, like I said, it's a good thing. Um, one of the things that struck me as I was uh, doing some research for this show about what's happening with the Farm Bill, and um, I was amazed at um, sort of the, 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 the padding on the back that the Senate gave itself, um, even though you and I and Hunger Action Network and many other organizations, the Environmental Working Group and so on, have denounced uh, already the version of the bill in the Senate that just passed. Um, but uh, Al Franken, who I think is, you know, definitely a guy I assume is on the right side, he says, I'm proud that our farmers are doing their part to address the deficit by eliminating direct payments. Okay. But I'm also pleased that we passed a strong safety net in the form of crop insurance subsidies to protect producers when a bad year hits. Well, those insurance subsidies largely benefit uh, agricultural concerns that are already wildly profitable, i.e. those in the commodity uh, categories, sugar, soy, corn, cotton. Um, so those are the, you know, those are where these big crop insurance subsidies are being increased in some cases um, at the expense of other programs. Um, what do you think, you know, what do you think when you read something like that? I mean, what do you think about a guy who is putatively, you know, on the right side and, and has all the, all, and, and is he caving in? Does he not understand the issues? I mean, he's from an agricultural state. I mean, I, I just don't get it. It's, I, I'm baffled by some of these Democratic legislators who I feel are, are grossly underinformed about the issues and yet, and make these decisions and, and then pat the farmers on the back for not taking direct subsidies. Those, we're talking about guys who grow corn. Yes. I mean, yes, because that is a large part of our agricultural sector. I think, first of all, I just want to say I'm not a crop insurance and or um, commodity payment expert. And it's an incredibly complicated. And I don't even like you said, our elected the people voting on this aren't experts in it. And even, you know, the Congressional Budget Office that ends up scoring this has taken them. They've had to go back and rescore the Senate bill a couple of times um, because there have been these drastic changes proposed. So the big I, I think what Al Franken is saying is that while um, you know that it's a big deal that direct payments were eliminated. And um, I think it's twenty-three billion dollars. Twenty-three billion dollars was in saved. deficit direction. Yeah, yeah, from the saved. bill. Yeah, M- the majority of that coming from the elimination of direct payments to commodities, right. which the way that those used to work was that um, 
farmers who grew commodities were paid regardless of what, what the price of the commodity was um, on the market and regardless of whether or not they actually, they actually had that it. planted. It was yeah. based on historic um, base acres, so what they could have planted. So the fact that that was eliminated and replaced with a much smaller um, commodity support system is a big deal. And then in place of that, there's this new crop insurance title, I mean, new you know, new crop insurance programs in the crop insurance title. Um, again, I'm not an expert and it feels incredibly complex. Um, one small win in that um, is that uh, the largest farms, so farms that make um, over 750000 in adjusted gross income, um, will not be eligible for the same amount of subs, uh, subsidy on what they pay as a premium. Mm-hmm. So right now, farmers, any farmers, regardless of their income, regardless of their size, the government subsidizes 62% of the premium that they pay for that crop right. insurance. Um, that's almost a reverse of what it was in the year 2000. I was just reading today that uh, in the year 2000, the government subsidized about 30% of um, premiums for crop insurance um, uh, sub. Uh, Premiums and then and it's reversed now. So, so there is um, with this with this new bill. There was an amendment that just was adopted to be part of the bill where these far, these large farms um, they'll they'll pay more. They'll, it'll still be subsidized, but there's right. been a fifteen percent. But decrease. they will pay more in ter- because mm-hmm. they make more. Because they make more. So in yep. other words, they're. They're sort of paying a little bit more of their fair share right. exactly. into now, the insurance pool what as it opposed does not to us do, subsidizing them. Correct. And what it does not do is place a limit on the total amount um, of crop insurance payout that a farm can use, mm-hmm. I mean, can get. And so that was something that was being pushed for that did not go through this bill. So small, tiny, little incremental wins. <laughs> There's also the change that um, there used to be any number of farm managers per farm could apply for these subsidies. And now that's been reduced to one. That's right. So, so you can't a, be a wealthy landowner. And, you can't be living on the Upper West yeah, Side. Which, right. And, 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 and have 400 acres planted out to right. corn and get a giant subsidy to it. Yeah, right. right. Yeah. Well, that, that is a good thing. I mean, I, I it, like it's that. It's still corporate it's, subsidies. I mean, it we're is. Still corp- we're still subsidizing major corporations. It is. And it's over. not subsidizing guys who are growing row crops and food that we actually eat. Right. Or subsidizing regional infrastructure. Oh, we have to take a 30-second break. Sponsor drop, Joe. And um, we'll be right back with Caitlin Salemi. Did I say that? Yes. And <laughs> Benjamin Solitaire uh, about the Farm Bill. Stay tuned. Let's never go back, baby. They got all the answers, but we got all of us at Cane Vineyard and Winery are proud to support Heritage Radio Network and the growing movement to change the way we eat think about our planet. For more information, go to keep5.com. The package that you found me is now crumpled up in your kitchen. I make it and I'm just begging for sleep. A dream or two to do me in to slay the demons I begin to know so well they we are back on the Heritage Radio Network. This show is called Straight No Chaser. I'm your host, Katie Kiefer, and in the studio with me today is Benjamin Solitaire, uh, who is coming to us from the New York City um, 
Well, Benjamin, you tell Food me and Farm this. Bill Working Thank Group. Thank you. Food and Farm Bill Working Group. And, and Caitlin Salemi, who is also uh, involved in um, Food Action. No. I'm, I'm also a member of Sorry. the Food and Farm Bill right. Working Group, um, and I am, and I work for the Food Systems Network. Food Systems Network, yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. I don't have to say I was a member of the Brooklyn Food Coalition. That's right, and, and a very worthy Brooklyn. thing, and a very, I mean, the Brooklyn Food Coalition has been an amazing organization. So um, we're talking about the Farm Bill, and um, I know it's really complex, and I know it's probably, um, you know, maybe even kind of a tiny bit boring unless you're really, really interested in food and food systems. But the fact is is that our national economy uh, derives about 30% of our GDP from agricultural products. So when we talk about the food systems and the farm bill, we're talking about a lot of our taxpayer dollars. And um, of course, we were talking earlier about um, the fact that SNAP benefits or or supplemental nutrition assistance programs have been cut wildly. But um, there are some small wins in this. We were talking a little bit about conservation. We mentioned conservation. Conservation programs lost $6 billion in allocations. But, uh, Caitlin, you were saying earlier that there's some good news there. So let's talk a little bit about that. Just to pick up on where we left off before the break in regards to crop insurance. So I was was starting to say that it takes an incremental step in the right direction. But there are these other areas that are uh, that maybe it doesn't go far enough. And, and that will play out as as the bill um, if the bill the moves house. if the right. bill moves through the house. But but one of the things that's very positive that came out of the Senate version is that um, farms that receive crop insurance um, will be required to um, adhere to conservation uh, requirements. Um, so that was eliminated in the 2008 farm bill under Bush. Um, Farms that re- receive crop insurance did not have to implement conservation techniques at all. So we're talking about let's let's just you know lay that out. Let's unpack that. So conservation techniques. When we're talking about large farms, we're talking typically about commodity crops. Are we also talking about livestock, large livestock operations like cattle, yeah. hogs, mm-hmm. poultry? Yeah, all of these are traded on the futures market. They're all considered commodities, right? Um, and I presume that they are all insured heavily, and that they all get these subsidies as well as the corn, soy, sugar, right. yes, uh, rice. You know the holy quartet there. Um, so when we talk about conservation programs in terms of livestock operations, uh, this we're talking a major, major aspect of the farm bill because mm. livestock operations are, of course, responsible for a huge amount of pollution throughout this country, um, right. especially with well, wastewater. Antibiotic. Right, the runoff from 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 CAFOs is uh, e- extreme. We don't so, like to call them CAFOs. I'm sorry, okay. Benjamin. We have to call them feedlots. <laughs> sorry, I'm just telling you. Feedlots. You know, I like to I like to pay homage to my right. friends in the commodity industry of life of uh, agri- livestock agriculture. Right. But, don't want to piss anybody off. <laughs> Conservation's had a had a, a, a long history in the farm bill uh, back to the 30s when it tried to prevent soil erosion during the Dust Bowl. But then, you know, in the 80s, in 85 and, and on, we've been adding conservation efforts. Um, the EQIP program, the uh, Equality, uh, no, uh, um, Environmental, Environmental Quality, Quality Incentive Program, mm-hmm. um, was designed to provide farmers money to uh, slow down soil erosion and prevent and do reforestation and, mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. And, of course, as you mentioned, it's, a lot of that money has gone towards building manure lagoons for, for yeah. feedlots. And, um, There's a 60% set aside uh, for livestock like, like, operations <laughs> for equipped funds. Right, and it's getting, re, it's getting misused direct, while well, they should pay for their own cleanup. 
it's our money that's going to pay for, for it instead. Well, <laughs> what a surprise. <laughs> can, can you tell me that that's a shock <laughs> to your system? I mean, come on. Well, I, you know, I don't even know what to, I don't, that is such a huge sort of other conversation to have. I think let's, let's talk a little bit more about other conservation measure, measures that are, are, you know, being retained, shall we say, in despite $6 billion right. uh, deficit. Well, the so the big story with the conservation title, I mean, is that there were there were funds cut, but a lot of consolidation of programs right. happened, um, and I can say that that's both good and it has some positives and negatives. Um, from what I've heard um, from folks working on these issues, the consolidation makes it maybe more efficient um, uh, if there were something like what 14 or there were 23, 23. programs consolidated in to either four major groups or 13 new programs so we've cut down from 23 programs you know i always have to wonder like when somebody says something like that i think to myself well why did first of all why do we have 23 to start with well, that seems incredibly a, it's amendment after amendment after amendment crazy. getting added. You know, each, is that what it is? I think uh, uh, mm-hmm. the bill grows over the years. Everybody comes in with their their program, with their version of what's going and to work. It may be redundant to something, or, or partially redundant to an existing. And they program. don't seem to share information, which I always find it's kind of like the FBI mm-hmm. and the CIA being having like the, the the equivalent of the Berlin Wall between right. them. You know, I can't go back to my constituent and say it's okay. The guy next door took care of it. I don't have to do anything. You I have see. to say to your constituent, "I made this yes. happen," even though it already happened twice doors <laughs> down. It's really so it, it builds up on on bureaucracy, and and there are cuts definitely, but we're hoping maybe some of these consolidations are actually effective. Are going to be effective? Well, that remains to be seen, as you say, until the house the the house votes on all right. of this stuff and comes up. So I'm I'm just going to like get back to the nitty gritty of this working here because I really want to understand this well because I d- I didn't realize that was how it worked exactly. Mm-hmm. But so the Senate has passed its version. Now the House is going to work on their version. Their own version. Then right. there's a new committee. A new committee, or is okay. it? The or is it the Agricultural it's, Committee that has been working on this? No, it's a. It's called the Conference Committee. The which Conference The committee. leaders of the like Boehner and, and Reed, and then the minority leaders mm-hmm. in each house will get together, and they will put together a committee. There'll be Agricultural Committee members on it, and there will likely right. be a few non-Agricultural Committee members on right. it. Right. And they just sit down and they try to negotiate. Sorry, the uh, difference okay. uh, between the two. So say, you know, say this: uh, the House puts in thirty billion dollar cuts to SNAP, and we've got the four point five in the Senate. They'll sit there and try to. They have to hammer them. out a compromise, right? And you know, using which every, hopefully won't be sixteen <laughs> yes. percent. No, it's um, <laughs> uh, technically you can't bring in you can't bring in defeated amendments into that process. But I'm sure you know the Senate and the House write their own rules, so they can do whatever they want. They do seem to do that, don't every, they? Every couple of years, they do. Oh my god! Uh, or six, depending on who it is. So yeah, that that process uh, would hopefully happen by September 30th, which is when this current bill expires. Right. Um, if it doesn't, it would have to go to a continuing resolution, which has its own negotiation problems that if there is no farm bill what we've heard is that if there's no farm bill uh that's passed as a result of a if the either the house doesn't come up with the version or if nothing comes out of a conference then what would happen on september 30th is that we go back to the 1937 farm bill by law yeah um if 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 there's no farm bill or if we don't pass an extension to this current farm bill so if we don't extend the farm bill from 2008 um another year then we go back to 1937 and what we've heard you know is that if that extension process that extension process could be very very ugly it could be 
uglier than what's happening now, that the, that the House is not going to let us just extend the current farm bill without cuts to it. And so, and that that's going to happen in an election year in the fall is, I think, a little bit scary. Very troubling. Well, for instance, you would have no conservation amendments in the 1936. (laughs) (laughs) If I could just say that this is, um, uh, Congress actually did its job here. They did negotiate a bill. Mm -hmm. It has many flaws and it has many good things. So. It's a sort of amazing they managed to do this with this one bill. When they, when's the last time they voted on a five hundred billion dollar bill and, and came to bi- fairly bipartisan agreement? And the that, House is less likely. I mean, the Senate did that. The House right. is less likely yes. to do that. But at least they are. You know, well, the House has been completely obstructionist in yeah, every regard. I yeah. mean, there was a fantastic article in the New Yorker this week by Ezra Klein, who is a frequent MSNBC commentator, but also he writes for the Washington Post about groupthink and talking about how. Um, you know, things that were actually Republican ideas like the single-payer mandate in yes, healthcare or the cap-and-trade uh, for industries in, in um, pollution control, these were all Republican ideas that as soon as they were advanced by the Obama administration were roundly denounced <laughs> by the Republicans and basically as a result of groupthink. And uh, I really, I urge every listener to, to, to look up that article and read it because it explains a lot about the gridlock in Congress right now and why they cannot, I mean, it, it makes your, your point all the more incredible that they did actually managed to negotiate something. Um, although, as you say, it remains to be seen what happens in the House. Um, we were talking a minute ago, because we only have a few more minutes to go, and I want you guys to be able to talk about your organizations and, and give all the shout-outs you need to that. Um, but we talked about the fact that there is a sw- they've eliminated direct payments, but they have switched that to what's called the revenue loss subsidy. And I want to know, what is the difference between those two things? So say you have a direct payment, and you don't get that anymore but now you get revenue loss subsidies so if you if your crop gets wiped out in it above and beyond your crop insurance payment you're going to get a revenue loss so corn say is trading at nine dollars a bushel and you're going to get paid nine dollars a bushel is that what's going to happen in that, above and beyond your for the last crop insurance three minutes. oh we have more but, than that we no, have more f- than that. <laughs> <laughs> um let's see so well, unlike direct payments, which were like we were talking about earlier, pay, were paid as a fixed amount, regardless of whether prices or farm revenue were high or low, um, and whether the crop was planted or not, um, these payments will be made when revenues fall below a moving market average. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I, I don't know what the implications of that are. I don't know who ends up winning or losing. How, the other piece to that, though, is that is that there are limits. There's a $50,000 limit for an individual on, on those payments. Oh, that's good. Yes. Okay, and that did I like not that. exist before. Okay. So that's a big deal. Um, and this is based on actual acres planted. So right. it, I think it is, that is one of the more radical changes. That seems changes. like a, a definite yeah. step in the yeah. right direction. I like that. And then we wanted to, we do only have a few minutes left. I want you guys to get a chance to do your thing. But I, I did want to talk about a couple of other things, like the fact that that, um, that bill was shot down, or the amendment was shot down, where people who fly over um, are not barred from flying over uh, livestock agriculture and shooting photographs and stuff like that. Or was that... Was that well, there was... A, I think one of the amendments that was proposed was that that there could be flyovers of livestock op- operations to see if they were in compliance with the Clean Water Act. Yes. And that, that did not pass. Um, that did not pass. I don't know if it was actually... Did. I don't know if it was um, actually had floor time or not. But 
But something else did pass that was basically uh, a win in terms of like the ag gag laws being somewhat um, muzzled. Something was defeated. Yes, yeah, something, was, something was defeated about that, and I'm sorry I can't find there, it. Right know, now, but. There were a couple of wins. I mean, there were many, <laughs> yeah. many wins. One of the things in the crop insurance is that organic farmers will be reimbursed That's at right. their prices, not. But not at commodity prices. prices. So they're actually make the money that they're spending. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that is a good thing. That's yeah. a great thing. Some other wins, uh, beginning farmer and rancher development programs got new, got additional funding. Um, and there was some funding for rural micro entrepreneur assistance program. And I think as, you know, Benjamin and I both live in New York city and, and as, as urban folk, there is generally not enough attention and, and sort of homage paid to the importance of rural development um, right. and how much that how that how that's critical to our food system. So we thought that that was a big win. Um, I think that's a huge win, actually. Yeah. I mean, I think the more you can encourage young people, especially to go into Definitely. the agricultural world, um, because they are imbued with this sense of uh, sort of evangelical, um, <laughs> you know, kinder, kinder and gentler uh, forms of agriculture than we have seen in the past. Yeah. Um, and I've seen actually some of the farmers that, for instance, Heritage Foods USA works with. Um, we have one farm um, called White Oaks Pasture, White Oak Pastures, and they started out as kind of a commodity cattle operation, and then about 15 or 20 years ago switched over to organic. Um, they just realized it was wrong. And they've been farming for some almost 200 years. Uh, so, you know, there are people who are really getting the word. And I think the more that there's money for those people, the better. Um, we do have to wrap it up. So, guys, I want you to quickly tell me more about your organizations, how people can get involved, where they can learn more. And, um, and then uh, we'll have to say goodbye. You want to do the Food Bill Working Group? Okay, so we are members of the Food and Farm Bill Working Group. We encourage anybody interested in learning about these issues to come and join us. The next general meeting is Tuesday, uh, July 19th. And um, we meet, uh, we're meeting, what is the what is the wiki space address? Do you know it off Food the Food Bill and YC.wiki? Food Just bill, Google Food Bill yeah, New York City Food, food and bill, Farm Bill Working Group foodbillnyc.wikispaces.com and that you can find any information about the Farm Bill Working Group you don't you can be a concerned citizen you can be affiliated with an organization yeah. um, if you're interested in learning about Food Systems Network you can go to foodsystemsnyc.org we have monthly open networking meetings and we yes. always talk about um, some topic related to the food system and you guys have great papers to read about the Farm Bill and about other related environmental issues around agriculture it's, it's a wonderful site I've learned a lot from from the Food Systems Network. One more quick comment? Uh, yeah. Just I, we, we all believe that it's really important to get this information as this radio show is doing to everybody. It's, mm -hmm. Everybody has is affected by the Farm Bill. Absolutely. Everybody ha can have an effect on the Farm Bill. We all pay for it we and we all live by it. Yeah, it, it affects what you eat every day. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, we get out there in the community trying to get people to, to learn about it, and we've got an, an incredible amount of uh, attention and interest in it. Yeah. Every, every time we talk about it, people want to know more. I don't think anybody ever heard of the Farm Bill before two years ago. No, it was the first one was 1933. It's yeah. been around... And, 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 and this is the first time I've ever seen citizens really get involved and get interested in it, and it's it's, it's been very encouraging, We're I must preparing say. for the 2017 bill. So. Yeah, exactly. That's what we should be preparing for. Yeah. So, folks, next week, I hope you'll come back and uh, listen to this show again. Uh, it gets straight no chaser. Um, and today we had uh, Benjamin Solitaire and Caitlin Salemi. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank, Thank you. you to my wonderful sponsor, Sam Edwards from S. Wallace Edwards & Son. And next week, we'll be talking 
two, uh, good Lord willing, Paul Lightfoot from Bright Farms, which is the largest hydroponic urban agricultural system in New York, if not possibly the United States. So, um, And they are a growing concern. It should be a really interesting show. Thanks so much again for listening, and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this program on the Heritage Radio Network. You can find all of our archived programs on heritageradionetwork.com, as well as a schedule of upcoming live shows. You can also podcast all of our programs on iTunes by searching Heritage Radio Network in the iTunes Store. You can find us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for up-to-date news and information. Thanks for listening.